goodest of good days cats and kittens and welcome back to the final instalment of this week's discontent provider will it be the sediment clouded dregs of a depleted barrel or will arkham and i have saved the best for last well <laughs> obviously it's not for us to say you with your discernment your sophisticated and discriminating nature are almost certainly better placed than we are to judge you may have noticed, perhaps with an unconsolable sense of anguish and horror, that Wednesday saw a gap in the schedule. As to that, what can be said? We're frightfully sorry, of course, but that's about as far as we care to go. Things happen and circumstances arise that do, from time to time, prevent a boy and a dog from rambling into the wilds of Warwickshire and, uh, and, and, and then rambling. So let that be an end to it, eh, what? Should you really want to press the point, perhaps we would ask you where your podcast was on Wednesday. Yes, I rather fancied that that would shut you the fuck up. So let's not have so much of it in future, hmm? Anyway, acting in an entirely arbitrary manner and treating one's commitments with scarcely concealed contempt is all the rage these days, is it not? Should our own dear Prime Minister view the ruling of five Supreme Court judges as more of a serving suggestion, like a mouth-watering photograph of a bowl of creamy mushroom soup with a sprig of parsley floating in it, as opposed to a legally binding objection to the Home Office's scheme of packing asylum seekers off to Rwanda to be processed in something like the set of a low-budget reboot of Tenko, why shouldn't a cantankerous harmonica player and the world's greatest lurcher skip the odd podcast? That's just the way it is. Rishi's insouciance in announcing that the wheeze may yet go ahead did rather get the old grey cells fired up, I must admit. Despite the howls of the catastrophically ill-informed and clueless for Britain to yank itself forcibly from any number of international treaties and agreements on human rights, it appears that, for now, our not notably United Kingdoms is to remain a signatory to the ECHR and the UNCHR, which is something. Presumably the government's endgame is to revoke and revile those inconvenient morasses of pettifogging red tape eventually, thus ushering in a golden age of firing squads for strikers and the nerve-gassing of anyone presumptuous enough to imply that their flat blocks really oughtn't to burn to the ground or collapse about their ears in 15 seconds flat, they will only do so once they've made a big show of trying to avail themselves of every conceivable alternative loophole or similar bit of legislative ledger domain. The latest strategy is, as I understand it, to compel the Rwandan authorities to enter into a special BFF pinky promise that anyone sent there by the government will receive a fair shake, thus obviating the potential infringement of human rights law. It's not a terrible way of abnegating oneself from any responsibility, of course. I, I don't know if you've ever bought an obviously stolen item from some silver-tongued salesman in the boozer, but the legal protection afforded by the defence, I thought they were on the up-and-up, and that 60 quid was a reasonable price for a top-of-the-line unboxed laptop, might not be cast iron, but it's not exactly paper-thin either. After all, it is the prosecuting authority's duty to prove that you were not acting in good faith, so many might well think that taking a punt on that chance is worthwhile. What really excited my curiosity, however, was just why the government have their hearts so set on the Rwanda plan. There is, after all, 
no legal objection to refugees or asylum seekers being detained and processed in a different country. So, in principle, the plan could work equally effectively in any number of other nations currently on amiable speaking terms with the UK. Naturally, and I can barely express my sorrow and regret to have to tell you this, my base suspicious nature impelled me to consider the possibility that there were some Tory-friendly vested interests at work in the Dodge, and that the primary motive was keeping some lavish donors on side by maintaining some juicy governmental contracts. Apparently not, however. According to the House of Commons Library, the UK-Rwanda Migration and Economic Development Partnership is simply a cooperative agreement between governments whereby the Rwanda government would receive 120 million quid in return for accommodating and processing migrants. And while it does seem unlikely, as was pointed out in an article posted by the Institute for Human Rights and Business last year, that uh, private profit-conscious firms wouldn't be involved in such a large and complex bit of business, it doesn't look as though any contracts have been signed or that any formal arrangements of that nature have been entered into. I mean, naturally, that doesn't include any wink and handshake deals made privately in the elegant oak-panelled lounges of various gentlemen's clubs, but it isn't discontent providers' way to make unfounded allegations, so let's assume that no such cosy accommodations have been made. If that is the case, though, the question remains, why Rwanda? In the absence of any obvious cronyism, it would appear that either our government is super keen to help a troubled nation out, foreign aid by any other name, or are hoping that it will, as has been suggested, operate as a deterrent against those who seek to pitch up upon our shores. This does seem quite likely. After all, when one thinks of Rwanda, the first thought isn't generally, Oh, Rwanda! Their national flower is the red rose, you know. Instead, it tends to be... Uh, isn't that where there was that genocidal civil war? My gosh and giddy gumdrops, but I bet things there are still a touch on the umpty side. Now, whether or not this deterrent angle is real is debatable. Personally, I'd aver that it probably isn't. We have been told time and time again that the real impulse behind plans to stop the boats is to smash human trafficking fuck stumps that profit so handsomely from the misery and desperation of others. But given the fact that they are human sewage, the odds of them knocking off the racket because they don't want to see their charges packed off to anywhere ghastly seem long, to say the least. They appear to be still flourishing, even in the wake of the sinking of the Messenia earlier this year, a tragedy that saw around 500 fatalities. So I think it's fair to see that Rwanda, for all its PR problems, will neither awaken the finer feelings of people traffickers, nor frighten anyone so appallingly desperate as those who've set foot on that death tub. No. It is neither to the migrants or the middlemen shitfuckers that the government are speaking when they speak of the Rwanda plan. It is to the fearful and the xenophobic. Those who feel that migration itself is a crime and that being sent to Rwanda is a fitting punishment for that crime. The fact that Sunak's crew are willing to spend time and money on something so hopeless and pointless seems desperate, really. It will help neither migrants nor the migrant-phobic but it will provide the costly illusion that they are trying to do something. And perhaps, later down the track, 
It helps lube up the body public's cavity for the eventual hard and rigorous fucking it's in for when and if they do take off the gloves and strip us of all our hard-won human rights. All this seems a bit negative, I'll grant you. So before we go, perhaps it's incumbent upon us to provide a bit of hope and optimism for the weekend. It's not really our bag, as you ought to know by now, but uh, a wild surmise did strike me earlier this week. While many have deplored the appointment of former PM and ardent Greensill enthusiast David Cameron as Foreign Secretary, it struck me that by the law of unforeseen consequences, it might have been a masterstroke made by a visionary Prime Minister with an eye on both the big picture and the international stage. Ask yourself, cats and kittens, what if? What if? Ah, good to see you, Minister, and bang on time, too. Call me Dave. I, I'm not going to do that. Right, I'm Fortescue, Chief Secretary to the Consulate. I'm here to give you a rundown on the uh, summit and answer any last-minute questions you may have. I think I've got everything straight, thanks. Well, that's super, because, as you know, this summit has taken the juice of a lot of preparation, but finally, the Sheikh has managed to get delegates from all the Middle Eastern countries around the table to arrange a ceasefire. Don't worry, Fortescue. I've handled a few of these affairs in my time, you know. Yes, that's why we're all a little wor- I, I mean, of course, Minister, I'm sure you'll do Britain proud. I do have one question. How are the accents? Oh, they're full on, Minister. It seems that the writer is now confident enough in his listeners to know that uh, imitation is not uh, necessarily mockery and that differentiating the various characters by various dialects is just a handy form of audio short form and should in no way be seen as uh, cheap racism. That's excellent news. They must be a very discerning audience with a knack for contextualised thinking. As much as one can expect from people who wander around plugged into a podcast, at least. Uh, now, Minister, there's just one more matter, and it's, it, it's rather delicate. What is it? Well, I had an email from the PM himself, and he was particularly emphatic on the point. What point? Spit it out, man. Right. Uh, the thing is, he specifically asked us to remind you... What was that? Speak up. He said not to fuck the food, Minister. Oh, for heaven's sake, that never happened, OK? And what's more, it never happened decades ago. Let's just get on with it, shall we? Uh, of course, Minister. Sorry, Minister. Now, if you're all set... <laughs> The Right Honourable British Fucking Secretary, Lord David. Call me Dave. I'm not going to do that. Lord David Cameron. Welcome, Lord Cameron. Now that our Hollis Broker is here, we can begin. As you all know, we are here in trust and friendship to talk about peace, about trade, and about how sometimes journalists get murdered and hacked to pieces by power saws, and it's really nobody's fault. Woo! But before we begin, as is our custom, at least as our customs are understood by Westerners who have watched too many movies, we must break bread and sit down to a banquet. Don't fuck the food. Don't fuck the food. Don't fuck the food. 
And in honor of our most respected guest, we have imported the finest British chefs just to prepare for you and you alone, Lord Cameron, this magnificent suckling pig. Don't fuck the food. Don't fuck the food. Don't fuck the food. Don't fuck the food. I'm terribly sorry, everybody. Old habits die hard, you know. Uh, if we agree to an immediate ceasefire in Gaza and to work upon a genuine two-state solution, can we be assured that we'll never have to see this guy Schlong again? I can guarantee it, Mr. Prime Minister. In that case, I'm in. Me too. Oh, Bismillah. He's still thrusting, look. Unlikely, perhaps. But then again, so are unproven claims about tunnels and a Bond villain-style volcano lair underneath a hospital. Yeah, less than two dozen guns and a couple of laptops. Forgive my scepticism, podcast pals, but those are to be found more or less anywhere in the troubled region. Stone me, I could get you a laptop tomorrow. Does 60 quid sound fair? And with that, it's time to wrap up for another week, I think. We'd like to thank you for sticking with us during these fractious and difficult times and to remind you to subscribe to the podcast on your platform of choice. Also, you'd be doing an old man and a dog a colossal favour if you'd share the odd link and big us up to anyone who you think might enjoy this sort of thing. Should you have any thoughts, views, criticisms or counterpoints to any of the issues we've raised, we'd be simply delighted to hear from you. So email us at discontentprovider at gmx.co.uk. Alternatively, you can find us on X or Twitter. Just look for Discontent Provider in the old search thing. Or use our handle. It's Foxy and Arkham. The song at the end of the week is upon us now, however. So while you brace yourselves, from myself, the Silver Fox, and Arkham, the Black and White Dog, cheerio. We do what we want. Whatever we want A globally respected, barely elected government We do what we want Whatever we want And you really can't stop us, so knock off your moaning, you cunt We do what we like Whatever we like We're the people in charge of shut up or fuck off on your bike We do what we like Whatever we like And if we choose the foot, you lose a head on a spike some people say that we're breaking the law, but we couldn't give a toss. We're now the ones who are making the laws, cause we're the boss. Judges might slam us, but what do they know of legality? They're totally out of touch with our realities. And we do as we please, whatsoever we please. If you think you're choking now, just wait till we squeeze. We'll do as we please, whatsoever we please. To keep ourselves cushioned, cause we're pushing you to your knees. We do what we choose, yes, whatever we choose. You can see our contempt for you every day on the news. We do as we choose, yes, whatever we choose. And we won't stop till you walk up the tutorial blues. We've got cup lunch, French will do what you want. You're just penniless peasants, if I may be perfectly blunt. Yes, we've got cup lunch, French will do what you want. It's a race to the bottom, and we're showing you lot in front. The rabid knuckle draggers venerate sovereignty. They said whatever it takes to stop the boats. We took advantage of xenophobic insanity. To stick a handmade shoes firmly on your throat. Now we'll have our way. It'll all go our way. You'll 
Get 20 years in jail for demanding fair pay We'll have it our way, it'll go our way And the fools will cheer if we take all of their rights away Until you're 80 while we have it large But now we're in charge Yes, we're firmly in charge Because you listened to that wanker Nigel Farage You dismissed your rights as loopholes as cooks and scum You never thought that they'd apply to you We knew if we were patient that our time would come You've handed us a mandate to make Britain mark too So do what we say, do whatever we say isn't life better with all that protection taken away? So do what we say, do whatever we say, as we shit on you from now till your dying day. <laughs> <laughs> 